Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk again about the Kingdom of God. The Kingdom of God is at hand and is supposed to be within our reach, but it doesn't seem like anybody else has any idea whatsoever what the Kingdom of God even looks like or would appear like or would require of you because there are requirements by God. You have to repent. You have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what does that look like? That's that's some retirement place in the sky? No, that's a way. A way to live. The early church was living in a particular way. These people were doing something. What were they doing? They weren't going to pagan temples. They weren't eating the free bread of Rome. They were taking care of one another and through faith, hope, and charity and what Paul calls the perfect law of liberty. People were trying to sneak in and spy out that liberty. And what was really going on with the early church? What was Rome doing? What was Rome like? What was it like to live in Rome other than Charlton Heston, you know, in uh, Ben-Hur? We get this B-movie version of history and we think we know what these men were doing these christians these early christians were doing and we really don't and the truth about what they were doing has been literally kept from you because if you actually knew what the ministers of christ were doing how they were operating, how they were living, how they were thriving during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire, why they were really being persecuted, most of the ministers of churches today would be out of a job. They have more in common with the Pharisees. What do you think Pharisees were all going around being mean to people and everything? They were full of self-righteousness. They were full of, you know, you need to do this. There were strict Pharisees. There were less than strict Pharisees. There were Sadducees. You know, they there were motivational speaker type preachers. Uh, the fact that the in Israel itself, or Judea at that time, what was called Judea geographically, that's where we think Israel is. Israel is actually the place where God prevails. It's anywhere that Abraham's feet go. And when I say Abraham, I mean the men who have the faith of Abraham. Where they go, where you walk in the way of God, liberty follows. It seeks you out. It, it, it grows. But liberty is not just you get to do what you want to do. Liberty under God is you get to do what God wants you to do. What God wants you to do is love your neighbor as yourself. Now, because I wrote a book, Covenants of the Gods, many years ago, and, and, and that talks about what some people might call a social contract. Everybody says, show me the contract. Well, I can show you the contract. Did you go to public school? Did you take care of your parents or did the state take care of your parents? You know, rights are inherited 
they're inherited from your parents. They're not disinherited because you're walking around sucking air. If your parents sold themselves into bondage, you were born in bondage. If they sold themselves into debt, that's what you inherited from them is their debt. Their covetous practices will curse their children. That's what the New Testament tells you. Because they desired benefits at the expense of others, their neighbors. You were born in bondage. And now you become a parent. You've grown old. You're on Social Security. Social Security's been bankrupt since day one. It never was solvent. People who talk to you about it being solvent, they are liars. Ignorant, maybe. But still, what they say is a lie. The country was operating in the red. There is no division of funds. Therefore, Social Security is operating in the red. It was just a way to make you a surety for the debt of the United States. The greatest destroyers of liberty are the uh, those who spread amongst the people gifts, gratuities, and benefits. Gifts, bounties, and benefits. And that's the real destroyers of liberty because it binds you. If someone, if you know someone is going out and borrowing money against the future to provide you with a benefit and you're aware of that, and, of course, it's well published, so you should be. Ignorance of that is no excuse because the information was more than available. Because everybody knows the United States in debt. Everybody knows it's been in debt. I mean, I mean how, many, how many years have they had to raise the debt ceiling? So Social Security is in debt as well. And if you sign up for a system that is already in debt, you you strike hands and become a surety for that debt. That's the social contract, or at least part of it. And every government benefit is provided by debt. You don't even have money anymore. You're in a cashless society. Your notes are debt notes. They're not capital. They're debt. You're, you're, you, don't, you don't live in a capitalist society because you have no capital. You are the capital. Your labor for the next 20, 30, 40 years, you must give away a portion of your labor to help cover, not pay off, cover the interest on the debt. You're in bondage. You may be in comfortable bondage. Maybe you're doing well in this system. But you know, others are not doing so well in this system. And those others are your neighbors. Do you love your neighbors? Are you trying to get back to what Christ said, to what Moses said? He said, keep the Sabbath. I know people going around now, they're trying to figure out when the Sabbath is. They got special calendars. They count seven days. And they say, oh, I'm on the Sabbath. I am now going to take a day of rest. Sabbath is about working six days and then having earned your rest, you take it. 
It isn't about borrowing against tomorrow so that you can have free time today. You know, you you grow up, you're a child, and you, you, you become a, supposedly a man, a woman, and you go out and you work, and you earn, and you're young, and you're strong, and you're able to go out and produce something with the days God has given you. So you work six days, and then you can take a rest. But if you don't work those six days, if you wander about as a rainbow child and do nothing with your life, produce no children, help raise no children, produce nothing for other people, but live off of the labor of others, because you're a rainbow child. You're a fool. You are squandering your talent. You are... You are wasting your oil like the foolish virgins. God said, be fruitful. You should be fruitful with your days. And if you don't have children, take care of somebody else's children. Help other people. Provide for other people. Be fruitful. Be diligent. I mean, Jesus has whole parables about the talents. You know, somebody given... You know, one talent and two talents and three talents. And what they do with it. The one who did nothing with the talent that he was given. Had what he was given taken away from him. That's the principle of God. So you're given time here on earth. Are you seeking the kingdom of God? You didn't even know about it. You didn't know what it looked like. You didn't know how it operated. And guess what? Now you're finding out. The kingdom of God is a government that operates by free will offerings to take care of the needy of your society through that faith and hope and charity and that perfect law of liberty. Now you know that. If you've been listening to the, the broadcasts on a regular basis or reading the website, you know that Jesus came preaching that kingdom. John the Baptist came preaching that kingdom. Everybody else was trying to establish a utopia of socialist welfare. Free bread in Rome. Free bread in Judea. Benefits. You didn't want to get kicked out of the synagogue or the temple. Like the parents of the blind man. If you were kicked out, you don't get any more aid. You don't get any more welfare. You don't get any more social security. You don't get any more benefits that come to you by way of the temples and uh, and the uh, synagogues. You don't get them anymore if you get kicked out. So they didn't want to get kicked out, those parents of the blind man. So they said, I don't know about this Jesus. My son is old enough to talk for himself. You ask him. Everybody who got the baptism of Jesus Christ was kicked out of the social welfare system of that day. Now, many of you are young. You don't think you need social welfare. You don't think you'll need aid. Maybe you think your children will take care of you. But, of course, if you've had no children, maybe they won't take care of you. Maybe your cousins or your nephews or your family. 
lot of people say, oh, God will take care of me. Well, that's true. God will take care of those whom he hears. But what do you have to do to get God to hear you? Because there there are many, many who he's going to say, get ye from me. I know you're not. I'm sure you think you're not one of those many, but who are they? Workers of iniquity. People who have looked to men who exercise authority rather than men who exercise love and care. And try to take care of one another. So, what do you, what have you been looking to? You've been looking to your own comfort, your own well-being, your own happiness. You've been in the pursuit of happiness. Well, what makes you happy? Self-indulgence? You know, John the Baptist was not a soft-spoken demeanor. I've, I've heard some people like certain preachers because they have such a gentle and soft-spoken demeanor. Well, I guess John the Baptist is out for them <laughs> because John was not soft-spoken. Not in the least. Even Jesus. I mean, he was whited sepulchers, den of vipers, not soft-spoken. Talks about people, you know, the guy with the that didn't do anything with the talent that God gave him. I love that fact that they call that money at the time a talent. That's the way it translates. And now we know talent is also what you can do. Your abilities. Are you big? Are you strong? Are you smart? Are you good at mechanics? Are Are you, you know, what can you do? Can you cook? Can you... Can you learn? How are you serving mankind? How are you serving your fellow man? How are you fulfilling your pious duty to your fellow man? Because that's called religion. That used to be called religion. Religion was the performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. Well, God don't need your help, but your fellow man does. So, what are you doing? with the talent that God gave you to serve others, to help others, to strengthen others. Nothing? Well, guess what Jesus is going to do? He's going to take your talent away from you. He's going to give it to somebody else. Now, of course, I am assuming that you're taking care of your your spouse and your children. And that's great. That's family. That's That's core. That's not kingdom. And you, you say, oh, well, I help, you know, I got a couple of neighbors I really like, so I help them too. That's great. But what grace have you if you only love those who love you? And you're saved by grace. So if you aren't loving others who can't help you, can't, aren't your immediate neighbors, then maybe you don't have any grace and you aren't saved. I mean, I shouldn't even have to tell you this. And the thing is, the amazing thing is, there are people out there 
in the system of the world. Hook, line, and sinker. Hard-working people. Take care of their family. Pay their taxes. No, something's wrong in society. But don't know what it is. They go to church because they see something in Christ, something in the Bible, something in this message, and they have this sense of knowing there's a God, and they want to know more about God, and they go to the local church. And they say all kinds of good things. They they have a form of godliness. But they deny the power thereof. What is, what is that? What, what does that mean? Do you know what? Greek word they use there, deny the power thereof. I'll take a wild guess. It's the Greek word dunamis. I could look it up at the break. You could look it up at the break. What is really going on in your quest for the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Now, we're not condemning people who were on welfare or on Social Security. We're just telling you how it works. That That is how it works. And, and it's amazing. You know, I actually have a lot of notes here that uh, people have asked questions over the uh, last couple of weeks and uh, wanted to know my thoughts on a number of different things. And... Uh, Actually, a note that goes way back. It says, researchers uh, then found that fasting helped to produce a new immune system as well as reducing the enzyme PKA, a hormone which increases cancer risk and tumor growth that is linked to aging. So not only does it increase... This, this PKA enzyme increases the risk of cancer. It also increases the speed of aging. And fasting helped produce a new immune system. It didn't just boost it. It says in a new immune system, as well as reducing this enzyme PKA, which causes aging. Fasting. I fast almost every day for periods of time. I fast, you know, several times uh, a year where I go on a little bit longer fast. And now fasting, people think that means not eating. No, no, no. It means not eating something. You know, I don't want to do it like what was Huck Finn and Jim. They were going to... They felt guilty about all the food that they were stealing, watermelons and things like that, out of the fields as they went down the river. And they felt guilty about that, so they were going to cut out stealing some things as sort of a fasting. They were going to cut out, they weren't going to steal any persimmons. And they thought, well, that's good. I won't, I won't steal, we won't steal pilfer absconded out of uh, persimmons. And they didn't like persimmons anyway. And besides, they wouldn't be ripe for another month. <laughs> so, anyway, so, that was their solution to their dilemma. But there's lots of things you could probably fast from. Fasting from sin is always good. And what is sin? You know, everybody thinks of adultery as simply being 
relationships outside of uh, intimate relationships outside of marriage, extramarital relationships. But adultery has to do with adulterating your body. If you were, you know, gluttony is considered a sin, and so if you're overweight, there may be some gluttony you need to fast from. Uh, the 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 other thing about fasting is fasting from bad foods, foods that kill you. If if you know certain kinds of foods are really bad for you, you know it. And and some of these things are not very debatable. I mean, there's a lot of things people could talk about diet, but you know, obviously, sitting down and eating a half a gallon of chocolate ice cream in one sitting is probably not a very health conscious person. I actually know people who used to do that on a regular basis. <laughs> so, and uh, uh, when they should have been doing something else, like going to school, <laughs> they were in college and they would be at home eating, you know, an entire half gallon of uh, chocolate ice cream right out of the carton and watching TV instead of going to class. And, of course, they flunked out. But is what sin would you of the Ten Commandments? Where would you find that listed under in the Ten Commandments? Well, I mean, you're not supposed to kill somebody, so and you're kind of killing yourself. So I guess it kind of falls under the commandment on "Thou shall not kill," because you seem to be committing chocolate suicide. You know, suicide by chocolate. <laughs> Could it fall under adultery? Because you're certainly adulterating your body. Yeah, actually it does. I mean, that's adultery is not just relationships out of marriage. It's any time you adulterate what God has given you. When you ruin what God has given you. You're told you were given a garden, dress it and keep it. Was the first commandments of God. That That carries on to every, you were given a body, dress it and keep it. But here these doctors are saying that fasting, not just fasting from chocolate ice cream, but fasting, actually not eating. I I warn people, do not overdo fasting. I mean, this 40-day people, oh, we're going to fast for 40 days and have a religious experience. Well, you fast for 40 days, you may get to talk to God in, in person. I know people who ended up in wheelchairs because they fasted for 40 days. It's not a good thing to try. And people, they get all, you know, gung-ho and fervent. And they destroy themselves with their foolishness. Because it's vain. It's all ego. But anyway, fasting from food is not the only kind of fasting there is. Fasting from all sorts of things. Giving up your regular, you know, what you could have can jumpstart a new immune system. We'll be right back.
Well, welcome back. So, did you all look up to see what kind of power that was in the quote about godliness, but denying the power thereof? Well, it was dunamis. And uh, there's another word that's often translated power. There's actually several of them that can be translated power. But uh, dunamis is a particular one that uh, we see a lot of times. We'll get to that, but that's in Timothy. This know also. This So, this is in uh, chapter 2. Oh, actually, chapter 3. He just finished chapter uh, 2. And uh, he's adding something else that you should know besides what was in chapter 2. He says, This know also that the last days perilous times shall come. Everybody always looking, when is the last days? Well, a lot of people will tell you these are the last days. And uh tell you the truth, we all have our last days <laughs> and then we're dead. But in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers. Boy, that sure sounds like today. You know, truce breakers, they they don't keep agreements. Uh, covetous. Everybody, every country is a socialist country. There isn't any country that isn't indulging in socialism to a great extent, desirous of benefits at the expense of others. You know, the, those dirty, rotten rich, we need to tax them and get that money back. Because, you know, God said, thou shalt not be, you know, covet thy neighbor's goods unless he's really rich. So, uh, I actually didn't add that addendum. Somebody else did because they are proud blasphemers. <laughs> so, covetousness and being proud. You know, lovers of your own selves. I want, I want, I want, I want, I deserve, I need. Boy, that is the theme song of, you know, the modern world today. Now, there's always been selfish people, but, I mean, it's, it's a policy today. People run for office based on the idea, I will take stuff away from your neighbor more than any other candidate, so please vote for me. Yeah, I want more stuff. That will just vote for you. Just, I mean, you can be a blooming idiot, a thief, a rascal, a murderer, and they will vote for you. <laughs> if you're gonna take stuff away from others and give it to them. So, sounds like last day stuff to me. Disobedient to parents, I mean, how many kids even take care of their parents when their parents are 65? Are they out saying, oh, I'll send you a check, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll take care of you, I'll, you know, no, 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 they don't do that anymore, they don't have to, they can do no more out for their parents, because their parents signed up for Corbin of the Pharisees many years ago. And their parents signed up for the Corbin of the Pharisees. They didn't take care of their parents, and their kids aren't taking care of them. And they think, oh, well, we should we should sign up, and we should take that money. I know guys who don't even need the money, and they're taking the money. And their kids tell them, yeah, take the money. You paid in. 
There's nothing. Not, it's not a dime of what you paid in. It's all gone. Thieves and robbers and moths ate it up. You people, heroin addicts. You know, if you're a heroin addict, you can get on Social Security like that. I mean, it's as simple to, <laughs> if you're a heroin addict. And you could do a lot of other worse things. And you can get on Social Security. And they do that. It's, it's, it's just the way it is. Uh, and, and people don't think anything of it. They don't have any natural affection. And of course, there's a lot of unnatural affection going on. Homosexuality, uh, promiscuous, uh, you know, if it feels good, do it. So, I mean, that's all last day stuff. Keeping contracts, <laughs> contract with America, uh, politicians promises you. I mean, your word is your bond. I mean, the old school guys, if they said it, it was going to be, I could tell you story after story of old guys who all you needed was a handshake. And it was it was better than gold. You could take it to the bank. But today, people don't keep agreements. They just, you know, if it benefits them, they're just going to, I mean, that's why lawyers are rich. False accusers. Okay, I get that all the time. People, oh, you don't, you know, your wife don't wear a doily on her head, so you guys aren't believers, or you don't have, you know, a Hebrew calendar on your wall, so you're not believers. Oh, you you don't say Yeshua, you say Jesus. Uh, actually, I say both. Uh, I know lots of people who say Yeshua and, and haven't got a clue who he was. And uh, they, they've made up all kinds of doctrines that Jesus never even mentioned. Don't you think it's really... The church is supposed to be promoting the doctrines of Jesus Christ. And Paul promoted the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Because he had all kinds of people arguing and bickering and everything and trying to settle things. He told them extra stuff. But those aren't the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Those are the doctrines of Paul. Trying to settle these disputes and get people to work together, you know, like herding cats. But you make a religion out of what Paul says and you skip what Jesus said. Because you're not seeking a kingdom, you're seeking your local congregation, you know, your local bodies, and you're looking for other people who do everything like you. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Not seeking the kingdom of God whatsoever. Straining at gnats and swallowing camels. You say, oh, well, I don't want benefits of the government. Yeah, but are you, are you slothful in being the benefactors who exercise faith, hope, and charity and love for one another? Are you slothful in that? You won't even come together. You won't even contribute regularly so that others may live without doing what you have to do, which is sign up for benefits from men who exercise authority one over the other. How much could you give up? How much could you fast from? You know, I knew a guy who was giving money to this guy with a sign on the side of the road <laughs> and uh, saying that he needed help. And the, where he got the money is he gave up lunch. He just skipped lunch. 
You know, he wasn't real overweight or anything, but he just figured I can skip a lunch and I can give them my lunch money. And he was doing that. And then he discovered that the guy was a total fraud and that he had a nicer car than he had. <laughs> and he was getting a government check. Oh, man, he was livid. Well, serves him right, giving money out a car window to a guy with a sign on the side of the road. How dumb can you get? Now, that now I'm not supposed to tell people they're dumb, they're foolish. Jesus did. Jesus told, I mean, he has old parables about foolish virgins. You know, John the Baptist, you know, I mean, he got his head cut off because he was telling it like it is. Now, I could be the soft-spoken demeanor of a minister who just says, Oh, I love you. We all love each other. We love Jesus. I could get, I could be dramatic and get you all excited about Jesus is going to save you. Jesus has already saved you. He has done it all. You have to do nothing. But I wouldn't be preaching Jesus. I'd be preaching somebody else. Because Jesus said, not those who say, but those who do. But your preachers are saying, you don't have to do nothing. You just have to believe and you're already saved. Because Paul said something like that. But here, we say, Men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. And how do you know they're good? Because they're doing good. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure. It's comfortable. You know, I like it. I like the benefits. More than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Why? They believe in Jesus. Aren't they saved? They don't have to do anything. They believe in Jesus. They've accepted Jesus. Right? But he's saying, turn away from these people. But they say they accepted Jesus. No, they haven't accepted Jesus. They're liars. They lie to themselves. If you really accepted Jesus, you would be diligent instead of slothful in your quest for the kingdom. And since you cannot, the way you quest the kingdom is you lay down your life for your fellow man. You would be fasting every day and taking the money you save from fasting and giving it so that it will do good to people. Now, that doesn't mean handing a $10 or $20 bill out the window to a guy on the corner with a sign. It doesn't mean sending money to a charity where 90% of the money you send in or 80% of the money you spend in goes to ad campaigns to get more money in. <laughs> that's, that's what they do, a lot of them. You know, or to groups that have guys with salaries that make two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000 a year and they're the president of the Red Cross or whatever. Now, Red Cross does a lot of good, but there's a lot of baggage at the top. 
a lot of waste. Every time you get big like that, that is always a danger. And Christ knew that. So he required his ministers to do the same exact thing that Moses required his ministers to do. They had no inheritance in the land. They could not own land in their own name. Because land was a thing of wealth. is a way of accumulating wealth. The Levites were under what we would call today a vow of poverty. They had no personal estate whereby they could become wealthy. How many, how many presidents or vice presidents? I mean, Nixon, when he became vice president, he was poor. By the time he was running for president, he was rich. How did he get rich on that salary? How'd that happen? I mean, the Clintons were just doing it right out there in the open. Of course, I suppose if you're a Clinton supporter, you're now you don't like me anymore. But I can't imagine I got a lot of them listening. But the reality is, is their Clinton Foundation was clearly peddling influence, getting millions and millions of dollars in donations from big banks who suddenly got big deals with the government while she was in the State Department. And it's it's crazy. But that's what happens when you create offices of power. That's why Christ didn't create offices of power. He actually forbid the ministers of his government. I appoint unto you a kingdom that I just took away from the Pharisees. But you are not to exercise authority one over the other. You have to be the benefactors who exercise faith, hope, and charity. In order to do that, the people have to be charitable. Not to build cathedrals or big statues to make everybody feel holy and important and, you know, golden temples, but living temples of living stones. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That you deny the power thereof. Denying, the actual key word there, which is down in uh, verse 5 of that uh, same chapter in Second Timothy. Having a form of godliness, and that word godliness, it shows up a number of times. You know, it's uh, eusebia. And uh, it shows up, I think, about 15 times. And, you know, it it looks like reverence. You know, I mean, kind of uh, a piety towards God. A form of piety towards God. That, that's one of the key points here when it talks about this form. Amorphos. It, that word only appears twice in the Bible. You know, it's a shape. It looks a semblance of godliness. That's what you're seeing in your churches. But denying the dunamis, the power thereof. And that word power uh, that we see as dunamis, you know, it's actually from um, dunamai, uh, which means can or cannot. But, uh, but dunamis... You know, it's translated power most of the time, but also mighty works and strength and miracle and might and even virtue. 
and we're going to do a whole show on virtue here. And strength, it's defined as strength, power, ability. Well, ability, that's your talent. (laughs) Yeah, I brought that around back to your talent again. You deny. The word deny, I said, is the key word here. Deny, it, it means, it's also translated refuse. You refuse to use your ability. You could give up something and give to somebody else. You could lay down a part of your life. You know, not buy that half gallon ice cream. (laughs) Take that money and put it to use in a way that strengthens the poor. It strengthens the poor. But now, so you want to give it to somebody who's a worker. Uh, someone who can serve. Uh, someone who isn't necessarily just a soft-spoken person that makes you feel good when you listen to them. But a person who challenges you. Sticks it to you when you're more like the Pharisees than the ministers of Christ. It tells you like it is. Someone who does not deny the power of God to say your whited sepulchers, your den of vipers, you need to make straight the way of the Lord because the way you're going now is crooked. People want to... you, You love the minister who tells you you're saved already and you don't have to do anything to be saved because you thought a thought. <laughs> because you said you believed. Yet Jesus said, not those who say, but those who doeth the will of my Father. If you haven't forgiven others, and people sometimes have a hard time forgiving me for telling them the truth. Ah, Gregory, he tells you the truth all the time. Man, this is so boring. I don't want to hear the truth. Come tell me how good I am. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Because you ain't that good. <laughs> so... I'm, I have to tell you what God puts on my heart. And you need to be warned. You're headed for the end times. End times for you. You're headed for your end. Your personal end. And what are you doing with your life? Are you squandering it? Are you serving others? Are you comfortable? Well, that's the important thing. That you're comfortable. Is everybody out there comfortable? <laughs> no. You, you know, you're in a plane that's on fire and crashing to the earth. And you're calling to the stewardess, can I have another pillow? <laughs> so, uh, no, come on, folks. Are you seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Christ came to lay down his life. Are you gathering to lay down your life? Are you making excuses? He says from people and all those people, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sin, led away with diverse, diverse lusts. What 
what lust is that that was you know it it says the word is lust there desires craving longing desire for what is forbidden now we think that that's sexual lust necessarily even when you say the word lust but it doesn't necessarily mean that it just means desire Desire for what is forbidden. Isn't it forbidden to covet thy neighbor's goods? To desire benefits at the expense of thy neighbor? Or as it is today, when we get benefits from the government, we're getting benefits at the expense of our neighbor's children because our neighbor's not going to pay that money back. We're striking hands with unbelievers who don't believe in faith, open charity, and become a surety for their debt. And our children are a surety for the debt. So while you have breath and life and energy, are you expending it for the purposes of Christ? While you have a talent, where you could do things for others. All you people retired on Social Security, are you gathering together in a congregation where you can be of service to other people who may never, ever be able to pay you back? Because if you're not, I question your salvation. I throw it on the table. I question your salvation. Because Christ, when he should have been resting, was giving his time to others, serving others, strengthening others, scolding others, talking about foolish virgins. He wasn't the soft-spoken, oh, let's everybody hug. (laughs) Let's everybody have a nice, quiet demeanor and make everybody feel good. Because we're all gentle. Beware of the gentle preacher with pudding hands. (laughs) Beware. Because that's not what Christ was. Certainly wasn't what Peter was. Certainly wasn't what John the Baptist was. Abraham carried a sword. Moses carried a sword and a staff. Jesus said, Think not. You know, I've come to bring you peace. I come to bring you division. I'm going I'm going to challenge you. He he was a tough talker. But you know, I mean if you're gonna watch movies and learn about Christ that way or only read you know, the verses that make you feel good, well then you're gonna think that Jesus is just another feel good preacher. You know, the he, he talks about ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That word, knowledge of the truth. Precise and correct knowledge. You know, yea, but for the lack of knowledge, my people would be saved. That's... That's you you don't learn about God 
by taking notes. You learn about God by repenting and seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. By sacrifice, that draws you near. Not slothful sacrifice, not just sacrifice, oh, I can give a few bucks here, you know, send him a little check. No, sacrifice your time, your energy, your pride for others. Lay down your life and pick up a life more abundant in Christ. We'll be back. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I was actually going over uh, some of the other lists of things that are in my uh, notes here. We were talking about fasting a little bit at the beginning. And I'm saying that fasting is not just fasting from food. And it says that fasting, according to this study, fasting for only three days can regenerate the entire immune system of a human. And, but like I said, if you take that fasting too far, uh, you can actually do damage. And so fasting is a very, you know, there's a real science to fasting. But I'm using the, the, the system of giving up, of sacrificing. Any kind of sacrifice is a fast. You're giving up something. You're not indulging in something. You're not, and, and you see this throughout the Old Testament. And, you know, like people who give up meat during Lent are far less likely to get cancer simply because they don't eat meat for a period of, you know, several weeks or a month and uh, or more. And uh, But if you just cut out meat for a couple of weeks, it would make... A difference. I'm not. There's nothing wrong with eating meat. I think eating meat is a very good thing for you, a very healthy thing for you. But what happens when you cut out eating meat? There's something. There are enzymes in your body that are designed to help digest dead tissue, which meat is dead tissue. And those enzymes, if you're eating meat every day, they're busy breaking down that meat so it become the 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 existence of that meat in your system can be broke down and you can benefit from consuming that meat. Now, consuming that meat causes those enzymes to actually increase in your body. But if you suddenly stop eating meat for a couple of weeks, those enzymes are still there. And you know what they'll do? They'll eat cancer. That's right. They will attack the cancers in your body because that's dead meat. There's always a lot of dead meat around cancer. 
And so people who eat meat regularly, but then fast from meat for a short period of time, are less likely to have problems with cancer because the enzymes that normally is digesting the meat will go after the cancers. So if you fast from meat for a couple of weeks out of the year or a couple of times a year, it will add to your immune system. Sugars, you want to cut out sugars, fast from sugars, processed sugars. That that can have a tremendous benefit to your body. But if you never consume sugar, you will actually lose an ability to eat. There are some people who can eat a lot of sugar and it has no effect on them. Or I wouldn't say no effect, limited effect, because their body is used to them eating that sugar. If you cut it out suddenly, the body has to change. Now, I know people who went on fasts and cleanses for long periods of time, and then when they went back to eating food, they couldn't eat hardly anything. They had to develop, they were allergic to almost everything because they had flushed their system so much, their system could not bring back these other things that it had once eaten. They did this later in their life. So you have to be careful. There's a balance to everything. Well, now let's take this dietary analogy over into what you do with your life. Are you fasting from judgment? Are you fasting from unforgiveness? Are you fasting from... Uh, sloth. In other words, are you getting busy? Are you taking your talent and using it, investing it in others? You know, I mean, like, what's retirement? Retirement is the opportunity to take the time you have and use it for other people. Now, are you, you know, I, I know people who, who think that working a few hours a day is working a day. They think that actually man shouldn't have to work all day long, every day. He doesn't have to work every day. He's got Sabbath. (laughs) But in the beginning, God said, work six days and then have a Sabbath. He didn't say work six half days and have a Sabbath. He said work six days. And it's a part of that, that Holy Spirit, when you let it dwell in you, You will want to do things. You will want to accomplish things. You will want to apply yourself. And if you resist, deny the power, deny part of the aspects of Jesus' Holy Spirit, it will manifest itself in many ways, like you will be slothful. And slothful... I mean, what what brings us into bondage? Slothfulness, covetousness, unforgiveness. All these things bring us into bondage. So what will bring us out of bondage? Diligence. (laughs) Be diligent. You know, study. To show thyself approved. The word there, study, is actually only translated study there. Normally, it's the word diligent. You know, James, you know, yeah, we're not saved by works, but if you don't have works, your faith is dead. You don't have live faith. You have dead faith. 
So you have to be working at seeking that kingdom. And the way you seek the kingdom for yourself, the best way to do that is to seek it for other people. How are you getting the word out about the kingdom? Are you making excuses? Because the world will, the world will give you all kinds of excuses. Why, you know, and we're not, again, I, I don't mind if somebody is on social security or even on welfare, if they need to be. If they have no other recourse, they may have to do that. I don't want to see them starve. But with every waking hour and moment, you should be trying to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Somebody on the the call-in study program the other day asked, how do you know? We'll, well, he actually asked, Will, you know, I, I say that if you start this journey back towards the kingdom, the prodigal son was, you know, working for the pig farmer. And he was a servant in the pig farm. And, but the, as a pig farmer, he had a pretty good retirement program. So he could, he could work and, you know, the, get his retirement. And that retirement looked pretty good. Like the, you know, the husks of the corn <laughs> was even starting to look good to him. And uh, he thought, well, that, you know, that, that will come in handy. I don't have to work. I can collect the, this money, you know, and go on retirement. But still pig farmer. He's still taking away from others, bringing others into bondage. It's not the kingdom of God. It's the pig farmer. He's still doing things by force. The same people that send you a check take away from others. Rob others. Put great burdens on others, tax burdens on others. Drive people. I mean, you can't believe people who are trying to get into business for themselves. The, the red tape and the taxation strangle these businesses. And it's partly geared to do so because the system, uh, you know, the powers, the corporate powers who have businesses, they want to drive all the other competition out of business. So they make it very hard. They lobby in rules to make it very hard for small businesses to even get started and compete against the big businesses. So you don't have all the mom and pop grocery stores anymore competing with Safeway. You don't have the the little uh, chef burger thing where a guy just decided to be his own, uh, start his own little small eatery. Can't hardly do that anymore. You got to, you got to buy a chain. It's geared that way to cut out the competition. So you got a choice, Burger King or McDonald's. <laughs> so that's it. Or maybe Wendy's or a few other big corporate, but you don't have just some guy starting a business and offering really good food to eat as you go down the street. He's got to buy into the big corporate businesses. That's the only way to do it because the red tape is so great. It's built into the system to make the richer richer and the poorer work harder. But that isn't capitalism that does that. It's because you've strayed from capitalism. 
You wanted to create offices of power to ensure your security socially. That's socialism. Socialism always requires from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Somebody has to make that decision as to from how much from, from whom to whom. That's an office of power. That's not an office of service. That's an office of power. He gets to decide. So you created this office of power. What does he do? He creates laws that make it impossible for you to get into business without going into a corporate business. And the corporate businesses regulate those laws. You know, it's like gasoline tax. Gasoline tax is not a use tax. It's not because... Not, not really. It's, it's, it is in, in a sort of way. The first, first gasoline tax wasn't on gasoline. It was on alcohol. The first, first, uh, fuel for cars, even for Ford or any of these things, it was alcohol. Tractors run on alcohol or gasoline. You could convert them so that they could go either way. Because every farmer could make alcohol. They made it to produce paint. They made it to uh, clean things as a solvent. And some made it to drink. And they could make this alcohol with grain, which they had readily available. And when they were done making the alcohol, the grain was extremely digestible and they could feed it to their pigs or to their livestock. You know how they used to find stills when they were outlawing the production of alcohol? They used to see who had the fattest pigs at the fair. And then they investigated those people because chances are they were running a still (laughs) and feeding the leftovers to the pigs. So, but alcohol in Europe was taxable. Because the king owned all the trees and you had to burn trees in order to produce the heat in order to make alcohol. All our studies of BTU units and everything comes out of a study because they were looking at the cost of making alcohol and how to create the BTUs to produce the alcohol because you have to distill it. So they could tax Alcohol. So there was a whiskey tax. Brandy tax. The king could put a tax on that. Because in a way it is a use tax. They use the trees. The natural resources that belong to the king. Of course this is after we had fallen away from the kingdom of God. Way back in 900 and 10 A thousand years after the fall of Jerusalem. The kings rose back up again. And the the beast was unchained. And everybody started, you know, you hear about the kings putting down these rebellions. Those were freedom fighters, by the way. (laughs) Did not want to go under the king. But he just crushed them one after another with the help of the Pope. (laughs) So, anyway, which is just a matter of history. I mean, I'm not making it up. I don't want to pick on the Pope. Although I heard... I heard recently, just this week, that uh, Putin came out and said that the Pope's not even Christian. <laughs> so I thought, whoa, 
You know, you're getting that from Putin. He thinks the Pope's not even Christian. Because he's such a Marxist, he's a communist. He he believes in socialism and communism. And he thinks, because, and that was a question that came up on the study call. Uh, it actually came up after <laughs> we stopped the recording, but I may get my answer in the recording when I finally finish it. It's been a busy week. But uh, one of the, he'd read the, a recent statement by the Pope, the questionnaire, uh, questioner, um, and he uh, he said, well, he also says that we need to help one another. And and I I pointed out, well, I I don't know how he intends to do that, help one another. I mean, people think it's helping somebody because they handed ten dollars out the car window. Well, the the present pope of the Roman Catholic Church thinks that socialism is good. He thinks that we should go to men who exercise authority one over the other. And they should take money away from your neighbor and provide you with benefits. And he considers that taking care of the needy of society. Of course, Christ said it's not to be that way with us. But he thinks it's a good idea. While he sits on his golden seat in the Vatican. (laughs) It's it's a bad deal. It's, It's a crazy deal. But anyway, and it may all come to a screeching halt here. But uh, the world's not going to end. The planet is not going to end. It's still going to be here. But there's going to be some changes. Of course, there were changes last year and last century. Uh, But more going towards what we just read about in Timothy. You know, with the last day kind of uh, appearance of things. But anyway, so gasoline tax. Do gasoline tax pay for the roads? Uh, well, yeah, a lot of the gasoline tax does go to paying for the roads. And somebody sent me an article and asked me what I think about it. But uh, it's not gasoline tax is not really a user fee on the roads. It's a user fee on the natural resources, which the present kings of the world think that they own. Uh, and so, therefore, they... It's, it's a carryover from the original ga- uh, distillant tax on alcohol. But it is supposed to be directed towards the road. Has it paid for all the roads? No, of course not. And does money come out of the general coffers to pay for the roads? Absolutely. But then again, the government uses the roads. <laughs> so they, they should pay for the roads. I mean, the military, which is tax exempt. I mean, they don't they don't have to pay gasoline tax. They get, you know, they get gasoline at without the tax. It's the federal government. But they use the roads, too. You know, I've seen, you know, convoys of tanks and jeeps and everything going down the roads, you know, on semis. And um, so they use the roads. And the roads are there as, you know, so that if there was an invasion or whatever, you know, I mean, I remember World War Two when it broke out. My dad was in to, had to head back to Fort Snelling on uh, December 7th. And by the time he got to the Snelling Bridge, there were machine gun nests with already set up on the bridge to protect the bridge because the roads are a part of our military defense. And uh, all kinds of military equipment and hardware and supplies and everything has to go down those roads. So... 
federal government pays for some of those roads and everything else. But, uh, the, you know, gasoline tax does go to pay for the roads. There are other fees, you know, like if a trucker comes into the state of Oregon, every mile he drives in the state of Oregon, and this will show up in his log, he has to pay money to Oregon. He's paying for the diesel gasoline tax too, but he's also paying for every mile he travels on the road. And I'm not saying that these aren't reasonable. I'm saying, yeah, there's a lot of other revenue besides the gasoline tax that pays for the roads. But then again, a semi is going to make, uh, you know, a lot more wear and tear on the road than a Honda Civic. So, yeah, that's a way, and it's way more fuel efficient considering the amount of weight that it's carrying. So, yeah, it has to pay this extra fee. There's actually, in many states, there they have bills already written up. And you're going to see more of this, that they're going to tax you on every mile that your vehicle travels. Well, this week, my vehicle almost never even touched blacktop, but it traveled a lot of miles. You know, in the hayfield and back out of the hayfield, pulling hay, <laughs> thousands of bales of hay, and stacking them up. And... uh until I shook a, a fitting loose on my radiator, and I have to pull my radiator out and resolder it back. <laughs> so, but that was all off road, but it was all paid, you know, traveling by fuel tax. So, but all this with fuel taxes, and there are all kinds of fees. I mean, uh, what a use tax is is you know the sticker on your vehicle. You have to buy this little sticker annually or biannually where you put this sticker on your vehicle. And that's a use tax because you have a legal title to the vehicle. And all these things are reasonable. I'm not against them. I'm not against taxes. I think taxes are absolutely reasonable. I mean, governments are there to punish the wicked. And one of the ways they punish the wicked is they tax the heck out of them. Well, what makes them wicked? Well, they coveted their neighbor's goods and they were slothful in, in the ways of righteousness and they didn't take care of one another and they they were too lazy to build the roads themselves. I mean, we used to build the roads ourselves. We, the, the first roads were not necessarily built by government projects. They were built by people who wanted a road into their area and they got together and they built the road. And the old age people in their community, they took care of them. And the sick and the invalid, they took care of them. We used to do that ourselves. We didn't look to government. There was no social security, but people weren't all, old people weren't dying in the streets everywhere. People took care of them. All we're saying is repent of looking to men who exercise authority one over the other. And change your mind, realize that that's not the answer. The answer is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, you could say, well, how will we ever get enough money to build all the roads and everything? Well, you're ridiculous. I mean, you came up to Mount Everest and you looked up there. Oh, you could never climb up to there. But people do it every day or every year. They don't do it all year round. (laughs) They do it every day, day during the season. And they do it one step at a time. They do it by moving in that direction. And that is, of course, what's seeking the kingdom of God. Remember, you're the prodigal son. You've left the ways of God and gone the ways of men who exercise authority one over the other. You've gone the ways of the Corban of the Pharisees, which was a compelled offerings to take care of the needy of your society. 
which is not pure religion, but false religion. It is public religion. It is not private religion. Christ was preaching private religion. You privately have to take care of one another. And he gave you the church, men who are supposed to be servants, public servants of the people, who are willing to serve the people by faith, hope, and charity. So they come out and they print books. They make, you know, thousand hours of recordings explaining how the kingdom works. And they charge nothing for that. If I had a dime for every hour I have put into this, I could probably retire. <laughs> but I don't even get a dime. <laughs> I don't even get a nickel. The reality, and I don't work for the people. I work for Christ who told me to feed the sheep. And feeding sheep I know about. And feeding sheep, you don't stuff it in their mouth. You don't serve them chocolate ice cream. <laughs> you feed them what they need. And what they need, more than anything else, is green pastures. And those green pastures come when you get water to them. Besides lifting bales and baling hay and all that stuff. Yesterday, I also was out irrigating pastures to make them green again by getting the water where it needed to go. And uh, I had dug out to find levels for ditches, and then I put in a pipe, and and I covered it up with a shovel. I didn't have much time. It was getting dark. And then I ran over and checked the other water to see how far it was going. Can I open up this head gate? Should I close that head gate? To make sure the water gets evenly distributed in the field. Because there's only a limited amount of water. And Moses got into trouble because he took his staff and he struck the rock. He used force. Dunamis. <laughs> power. To force the contributions. Force the water to come forth. The flow to begin. I can't do that. You have to decide. And for many of you, for you to add to the flow, you have to fast. You know, I, I, I was teasing somebody I know who is a big advocate of Starbucks. <laughs> he goes to Starbucks a lot. I don't think you can get a coffee in there for less than five bucks. So, if a person were to give up one Starbucks coffee a day, that would be $5. Well, if you had a network of 500 people or 1,000 people, and they gave up $5, a Starbucks coffee a day, or maybe, you know, maybe every day for five days. <laughs> and you're talking, you know, 5,000 cups of coffee. At $5 a cup, that's $25,000 a day. We could, we could really get out there and start showing people. I mean, there are people, uh, you know, there was a lady, uh, I think her name is Brock. I, I can't remember it right offhand. Uh, I can certainly look it up, but she was found dead. And, uh, 
you know, some people say she died of natural causes, but actually she was hanging in her garage. It appeared that she had committed suicide. And everybody was shocked because she didn't have any problem with depression. And this woman had had MS and cured herself of MS. No symptoms left. Well, the police are now saying that it looks like she was suicided. It looks like she was murdered. It was too perfect. The scene was done by a professional. So, what 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 does that have to do with anything? What what is that all about? Well, maybe we'll talk about that when we come back to the Keys of the Kingdom. Okay, so in this half hour, we'll try to kind of sum up some of these things, uh, and uh, we'll also take a look at uh, uh, somebody sent me something on church freedom in the corporation Soul, uh, meeting with the IRS, and then somebody else asked about Exodus 20:24, altars of earth thou shalt make unto me. And shall sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings and thy sheep and thine oxen in all places where I record my name. I will come unto thee and I will bless thee. Okay, and that was a question also that came up on the uh, study call on Tuesday is this idea of when, when to expect these blessings to come. And, of course, I'm sure that the prodigal son, on his way back, was not expecting to see his father run out and meet him. The blessings are already in motion. They they are, they are begin before you even make your choices. And this is an important thing to realize, is that some people have had a religious experience. They've had... As a spiritual experience where God has helped remove them from their iniquity. He's put people in their path. He has brought them visions sometimes, uh, events. He has shown them things prior to them having any right to see them because they're still workers of iniquity. And they see that religious experience and they realize they've been chosen by God for some strange reason that they don't understand to see certain things that other people do not see. But then they stop their forward movement. Something stops them and their forward momentum and motion. And they stifle. And, and Christ warns us about this. You know, like when he casts out a demon, he says, like, you know, if you don't change... It's going to come back and it'll be worse with you than it was before. You have Striving is not something you do once. It's something you do every day. This is why I say any sign of slothfulness in your pursuit of the kingdom of God and his righteousness 
is a bad thing. It is, you should not be slothful in that pursuit. You should be diligent in that pursuit. And it doesn't matter what he's shown you in the past. If the prodigal son simply stopped when his father came out to greet him and never continued, he would never get home. You have to keep moving ahead. And so you will have these experiences and you will see certain things, but you must continue to move. Everything that lives is in motion. And uh, if water is to stay pure, it must remain in motion. It must be turning. It must be bringing in oxygen. That's what the water breathes in and breathes out. It's a living thing. And you must be a, in a living quest for the kingdom of God. The world and the churches of the world, they want to get you to be slothful. Ah, I have arrived. I have figured it out. I have accepted Jesus. And they want you to sit down in the pew and be complacent. I do not want you to do that. I want you to put your hand to the plow. See the analogies that Christ gives you? Don't look back and say, Oh, back then I had a religious experience. And so therefore I am blessed. No, put your hand to the plow and move forward. Keep your eyes upon Christ and do as he did. He was not slothful. He was diligent. So anyway, I mentioned uh, the the doctor who uh, uh, was found dead. And the fact is, is that she had MS at one time and terrible, terrible symptoms. And she did all kinds of things to improve the environment of her body and, and her life. And she overcame and was perfectly healthy again. And, uh, and she spoke out against vaccines and, you know, mercury cavity fillings and, <laughs> and, and diet and all these kinds of things. And maybe, you know, at least some people in the police department believe that this was too pat. This, this did not look real. Somebody set this up. Now, was that the case? Did she suddenly have a fit of depression? Did she, nobody seemed to know it, but that will happen too. But the point I would like to make is the fact that she was cured in one way. And, but maybe she did have depression that nobody noticed. I'm telling you, if this is a spiritual journey where you open your eyes to every malady that is in you, every shortcoming, every weakness, you know, I don't care how many things you've seen or understood or realized. Do you see it all? No, you don't. That's why you must continue to strive and find and clean every corner of your temple. Physically, spiritually, mentally. And you cannot do this without giving and forgiving. These elements, diligently giving and forgiving. Not slothfully. These things will help perfect you in Christ. So, somebody else sent me a deal where somebody uh, holds the Internal Revenue Service in contempt. The Lord holds the Internal Revenue uh, Service in contempt. Though you 
have been told on multitude of occasions that the empowerment center of the church, which is actually some group, uh, officers and overseers. So he reads this thing, and we actually, on the webpage that somebody sent me to, there actually is this recording of the meeting. And uh, a number of his answers, I would not have answered the way he did. But uh, he chose to do this. But uh, the the fact is, is that was an investigative civil uh, investigation of the IRS. It was not a criminal investigation of the IRS. And it sounds like he just told them off and got to leave. But they said that if that meeting was unsatisfactory, that they would turn the matter over to the criminal division. <laughs> so... I don't know what's happening there. I don't know any of the details, except for the fact that the church freedom and cor- the corporation's soul, setting the church free from 501c3. Uh, the church is already free from 501c3, but the church is not a corporation soul. Corporation soul is an imitation, a civil creation that is imitating the family. The family, what should be capital F family, should be a corporation soul. But it's not because rights are inherited and you, your parents went into bondage and your parents before them went into bondage and that probably their parents before them went into bondage and you've been going into bondage. So your corporation soul has all these strings, you know, like Gulliver traveled to, to Lilliput they're all tying him down and he's not free. So the family and becoming a corporation soul doesn't make you free because a corporation soul again is an entity that is a corporation of what? A corporation is two or more people gathered together uh, for a particular purpose under a pre-existing authority. Your family's gone under a pre-existing authority and that's what you've inherited. So anyway, but a corporation soul is a family. The church is not a corporation soul, and I've written whole articles on that, and you can go to and read those articles. The church belongs to Christ, and it does that for the purposes of setting the families free and returning the possessions of the families to the families. But it doesn't have the power to do that on its own. If it did, if it has the power to give you, It has the power to take away. So what the church is supposed to do is facilitate your right to pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So how do you pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Sacrifice. Loving your neighbor. Diligent in that process. As you lay down your life, God will give you life more abundant. As you try to return to your father's house to be a servant, the prodigal son, As you take your talent and you use your talent for good, God will bless you. You have to trust in the ways of God. Have faith in the ways of God. And the ways of God is to give. To cast your bread upon the waters in hopes that it comes back to you. Not just for those that you love, but for those you don't even know. If you sacrifice In that way, and you will not do it perfectly at first. You'll have mixed emotions, especially since of what I told you today. But if you sacrifice 
according to the character of Christ on a regular basis, like your heart beats on a regular basis, you will be blessed on a regular basis. Exactly how regular? I don't know. I'm not God. But you set in motion the possibility of God hearing your prayers because you lay down your life for Him. And so, anyway, the uh, the church is not a corporation of soul. It's not an unincorporated association. And our free study, uh, free church report study calls, which we have been recording and uploading, and we'll make them available. If you join the network, they'll show you where they are and help you and answer your questions. But if you don't join the network, well, have a nice day. Uh, and joining the network is not just joining the email group. It's eventually joining the living network where you actually become a part of a congregation and you give regularly to that congregation in support of those that are seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And that's up to you. That's completely your choice. But I'm, I'm not going to hold you back from that, but that's, that's what you need to be doing. Now, the other question came up was Exodus twenty twenty four, and I'll read it for you really quick here. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings. So it's interesting, burnt offerings and peace offerings, two different things. Thy sheep and thine oxen, and all places where I record my name. I will come unto thee and I will bless thee. So now, do you do it in places where he records his name or where he records his name? He will come and bless you. Boy, it would be great if I had the time to read this in the Hebrew and take you through this word by word. But, bird offering is something you give up entirely. Peace offering is something you give up that brings peace to the whole community. It's not something just for you. It's to bring peace, which is something that has to be in the whole community and not just within you. A lot of times, peace offerings were what was given to support the military against those who were invading Israel. That's what a peace offering was. But uh, it, it goes beyond that. It has to do with bringing peace to the whole community. But a burnt offering is something that is completely given up it's ashes to you. It may be a value to somebody else, but it's ashes to you. The red heifer was burnt outside the city. In other words, everything was given up outside the city. And it's burnt offering because there is no reciprocating obligation to give back to you. It's literally given up. That's all burnt offering means. It's nothing to do with fire and flame. You don't have to set anything on fire, period. Anyway, we explain all that in greater detail and sacrifice of sophistry, etc., etc. The key thing here is this word name. The word you see courting twice. It's zakar. It's translated remember 172 times. Mention 21 times. Remembrance 10 times. Recorded 9 times. Mindful 6 times. Think 3 times. Bring to remembrance twice and record twice and a number of other different ways. So that word where he talks about record his name, that uh, 
bring into remembrance. In other words, again, to know the name of Christ. If you do this in the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus. And people say, oh, you said Jesus instead of Yeshua, so you didn't do it in his name. That doesn't make it his name. His name is his character. His spiritual DNA. If you do it in the character of Christ. Lots of people sacrifice every day. And $10 out the window. See, we've gone full circle again. $10 out the window. But is that given out the window in the name of Christ? Or you did that just to be boastful, to out of pride, out of thinking you wanted to think. It made you feel good to give. But did you give in the name of Christ? Did Christ get crucified because it made him feel good? He gave his life, but did it feel good? No. He gave it out of real love. I mean, uh, a mother takes care of her child. She gets up in the middle of the night at 3 o'clock to take care of the child. She doesn't get up at 3 o'clock at night because it feels good. (laughs) She sacrifices her good night's sleep to take care of her child. And to some degree, she's doing that in the name of Christ. How much of a degree, I don't know. You can't just imitate who Christ is. Although that's a good start. Because you'll you'll come face to face with the fact that you're not as loving and as patient as you would like to think. But if you do these things, if you sacrifice, give to others... In remembrance of my name. Remember that word record there is translated remember 172 times. It's only translated record twice. (laughs) In, In remembrance. If you do this in accordance with the character of my name. My identity. If you do this as Jesus would do it. What would Jesus do? (laughs) Then, then he will fulfill the rest of what it talks about in Exodus 20, 24. I will come unto thee. Remember, that word sacrifice, the word korban, which is from the word sacrifice, the Hebrew word sacrifice, it comes from a word that means to draw near. When you sacrifice According to the character of Jesus Christ, lots of people sacrifice, but not according to the character of Jesus Christ. I mean, every time you pay your taxes, that's your sacrifice. It's not a free will offering, maybe. <laughs> it's a forced offering, but it's still a sacrifice. But it's not necessarily given in the name of Christ. You know, some people will receive blessings from God because of the nature in which the way in which they pay their taxes. Some people are blessed by God in the way that they pay their taxes. Now, God doesn't want you to be subject to taxes, but if you owe the tax, pay the tax. And if it hurts, pay it anyway. But pay it out of love. It makes all the difference. Which will take me back to that lady who discovered how to cure MS by changing the environment. And I, I believe she did change the environment in her body. And if if she was uh, suicided by somebody else, by professionals, which according to some police statements, that's what 
they believe that uh, then she didn't commit suicide out of depression. Maybe she was dealing with it. If she still had depression, then there were aspects in her spirit that was not dealing with. I was contacted this week by a minister who is trying to figure out how to organize his ministry. I won't mention any names. But he has a healing ministry. And they do certain things, and he says it's all biblically based. I'd love to go up and visit with him or have him come down to the Burning Bush Festival. If you want to come, let us know. Get a hold of us on the network because it's coming up here. We want to know how many people to prepare for. <laughs> so, so let us know if you're thinking about coming. You can always back out, but if you want to come, let us know. But And there will be something on the East Coast as well for those people who can't make it all the way across the United States. But... Um, the the point is is that in in doing this biblically based i mean there is real healing that can go on if we will let god into our hearts and how do you get him into your hearts is you burn offerings and peace offerings and thy sheep and thy oxen and those of you who've gone through some of our hebrew studies know that sheep and oxen are metaphors for something else is giving, is sacrifice. Thou shalt sacrifice. Thou shalt fast from these things that were yours and you had the right to do with whatever you wanted with them. You will fast from that by giving them away to somebody else. When you do that, you jumpstart your relationship with God. Now, if you do that, you may have a religious experience. You don't want to repeat that religious experience. You want to go on to the next religious experience, which means you have to continue to be diligent in your sacrifice, not slothful, in the ways of God. And the ways of God are giving and forgiving. You forgive so that you can be forgiven. You give so that you may be given unto you. Lay down your life so that you may pick up life more abundant. But you have to do this according to the character of Christ. The name of Christ. And if you will do that, you will be blessed. When you will be blessed? I don't know. I'm not God. How? If you're thinking about the blessing that you will receive rather than the blessing that you give, <laughs> you missed it. You, you, you went off track. You derailed the train. <laughs> You, your ditch has got a hole in it. And when you flood irrigate, that was the, the big problem. Is you're flood irrigating, you're running water down a ditch, and you're trying to get it to another spot to make the grass grow greener. And it washes out. Your new ditch washed out, and the water went where you didn't need water. <laughs> and what happens then is you get grasses you don't want because it's too. It starts becoming a wetland or something. And you want to spread that water around so that all the grass grows evenly and together because it makes the grass so much healthier. It creates its own environment. This is why you gather together. A blade of grass on the desert does not last long. <laughs> you must have fields of grasses. This is why you gather together to become that green pastures of God. And uh, we can go into that in a lot more detail in a lot more ways. 
But anyway, I think I've covered most of what I've got here in my notes. Uh, We talked already in a previous show about Jesus was not a communist. And I put up another web page that I've added to. Actually, I had it up before. And I've added to that web page so that uh, people will uh, understand why Jesus says, own all things common. A lot of people quote that as own all things in common, but no, that's not what it says. It says own all things common. And that was the ministers who did that because we were to return every man to his possessions and every man to his family. And that's why I say the church is the corpus of Christ, the corporation of Christ, the body of Christ. This is what they were called out to be the body of Christ. They are not communists. They are they belong to Christ. They are public servants of Christ's kingdom. So that you can practice private religion, which is the fulfillment of your duty to God and your fellow man. And they are to be instruments in that process. And if you want us to teach you more about that, join the network. Until then, peace be upon you and upon your house. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.